Okay. Um, this was Thanksgiving week. How many of you participated? We had a great Thanksgiving. There's my, I've got a lot of my family here today. I love my family, my daughter and my sons, and one of them's coming later for a family picture. My wife's tricky. Um, but anyway, we had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we missed the dogs. We didn't have animals this year. That was sort of a disappointment. But uh, anyway, I read something. About, I was thinking I like to teach on Thanksgiving, and one, one of the problems is it can be offensive to people who don't feel like being thankful. Well, that would be why we would talk about it. <laughs> and um, there is something hidden in Thanksgiving in, in the depth of it that is quite, quite remarkable. James Taylor, I was reading this um, on the AP. I was reading it. The news says, James Taylor has a Thanksgiving message for his fans. Any of you like James Taylor? Yeah, fire and rain. Cool, man. Here was his message. Gratitude improves your attitude. Now, if James Taylor believes that, we probably ought to pay attention because he sings music and makes a living doing it, so it's cool. But gratitude improves your attitude. What it means, even James Taylor knows that to be grateful intentionally actually improves your capacity to be grateful. And so the fact that you don't feel like it is evidence that you should do it, and by doing it, you will begin to feel like it. That's really a spiritual principle. If you will engage your your words in line with the Word of God, your life will change for the good. It, It really, really will. So he said this, gratitude improves your attitude. AP says, the singer, the singer says in an email that giving thanks is the key to overcoming setbacks and dealing with reversals of fortune. He writes, to whom we give it is a big question. I think he's agnostic. But just go ahead on and do it. Gratitude is the way to an improved attitude, dude. That's a quote from, from James Taylor. Now, What he's saying here is he has learned, even though he doesn't necessarily believe in God and doesn't necessarily thank God, being thankful makes a huge difference in his own life. Now, every good gift is from the Father of lights. God knows who James Taylor is thanking, even when James Taylor doesn't know. Because he knows he's done what he's done, and if anybody's thankful for what's been done, God knows, well, I did that, so I'll receive it. He'll receive it in any level. So that's important. Even James Taylor thanks God, thank, is thankful. It's amazing. You can practice thanksgiving and be an atheist or an agnostic and it still improves your life. And I'll tell you why. God is such a good God. He will give you the same blessing as someone who really knows what they're doing and who they're talking to. That's how good God is. He causes the rain to fall on the, not just the just, sorry, unjust, too bad. No. Causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Um, Charles Spurgeon told this story. He was a great 19th century British preacher. A man found the barn where Satan stores the seeds he sows in the human heart. The seeds of envy, greed, anger, hatred, lust, on and on. The man soon noticed that Satan had more seeds of discouragement than of any other kind. He learned that those seeds could be made to grow almost anywhere. 
When Satan was questioned, he reluctantly admitted that there was one place in which he could not get discouragement to grow. And he was asked, where is that? And Satan replied, sadly, in the heart of a thankful man. So we're going to look at eight benefits of being thankful. And I I have um, some notes here. or I've got some pages you can write some notes on if I've got about 60 of them. I don't know how many people want them, maybe one per family if a bunch want them. But they not only have the notes, but they have some Bible verses attached to them. So if you'll raise your hand, we can pass some of these out. But we're looking at the importance of being thankful. Number one, it's the key to abiding in God's will. Number two, it's key to being a whole person. Number three, it enables us to access his presence. Number four, it's a key to supernatural provision. Number five, it releases us from depression. Number six, it has the power to transform us. Number seven, it can literally change our circumstances. Read that one with me together, number seven. Can literally change our circumstances. Number eight, releases to us God's peace and protection. Uh Uh-oh. I have a new toy, so help me enjoy it this morning. There. Let's read this together. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and 18. This is about the key to being in God's will. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is, for this is, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Interestingly enough, there are only two places in the New Testament that phrase, will of God, is used. How many of you want to be in the will of God for your life? Well, you almost, I'm not going to say you can't be in the will of God if you're not thankful. But you can't fully appreciate and enjoy the will of God if you're not thankful. And so there are two places that word is used, in the will of God. One of them is here, in everything give thanks. Being thankful is the foundation understanding of being in the will of God. The other place it's used is in, um, I can't remember. There's another place it's used. I actually, actually have it on your, uh, on, your, on your study sheet there. But it's keeping yourselves from sexual immorality. That's the will of God. There's only two places. Those two things are very important, that you be thankful and that you be sexually pure. Um, I've thought about this. Every time I've taught this, and I've taught this for years, a number of times, and only dawned on me like 6 o'clock this morning when I read the will of God. You know, when my mom and dad died, I became beneficiaries of their estate because I was in the will. I was beneficiaries of my mom and dad's estate because I was in the will of John and Lila McMillan. What am I saying here? I'm saying this. Being thankful enables you to become a beneficiary of the will of God. Whose will is the wealthiest in all creation. Everything Jesus died for you to have is yours. We sang it this morning, didn't we? 
All the promises are yes and amen. Now, we have to learn how to access those promises. But being thankful is vital key to accessing all of the provisions God has for you that Jesus died and rose from the grave and ascended into heaven and sent back the Holy Spirit. All of that is um, part of you receiving um, the benefits of the new covenant or the new will. Number two, it's the key to becoming whole. Oops, that's right, I didn't do that one. In Luke 17, um, let me read this story. It's about the, um, the lepers that Jesus healed. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So ten lepers came, wanted Jesus to heal them. And Jesus simply told them to go show themselves to the priest. And part of the Jewish law was if you had leprosy and you were healed, you had to have that healing verified by the priesthood. So you would go to the priest and you would show where you were once leprous and now you're not. And then you could enter back into society because when you're a leper, it was highly contagious and you weren't allowed in normal society. It's a very serious condition. So 10 of them leave. 10 of them get healed. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving Jesus thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Okay, we see something interesting here. Verse 15, it says, all were healed. That word is, I can't pronounce it, but it's, Ia-Omahi. That's pretty close. That's, that's not, you know, I think I did, uh, oh, never mind. Verse 16. Only one came back to give thanks. So ten were healed. Ten were made physically whole. Only one came back to give thanks. And of Jesus, he said to that man, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. But that word well is a different word than the word where they were healed of their sickness. And it's um, it's sozo. And what that word basically means is you're totally whole. You're a whole person. It's not just that your spot's left and you're no longer contagious, but you're coming back and acknowledging with thanksgiving the benefit you receive from the Lord has the capacity to make you whole on a much more profound and fundamental level than just a physical healing. See, that's the power of thanksgiving. The power of thanksgiving has built into it if you practice it, if you develop it, and if you truly become that person who's grateful to God, it has the capacity to make you a whole person. Number three, 
What else does being thankful do? It enables us to access God's presence. Let's read Psalm 100 together. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Let's stand up. I think somebody fell asleep. You, you on the fifth row. No, I don't even know. Let's start over. Make a joyful shout. Hey, listen. One thing we haven't done here since we've come is really shout. The old uh, Pentecostals used to say, if you shout, you can't doubt. That's probably not true, but they said it. But let's give, let's do this. And I, listen, we need to be fully engaged. At the count of three, we're going to shout to the Lord. Now, pay attention. It's not at one. It's not at two. It's at three. One. It's, and here's the Bible maker. It's got to be joyful. I'm fiddling around because I'm trying to let the fire increase and the intensity burn, you know. It says, make a joyful shout to the Lord. Listen, who? All ye lands. That's everybody. Even the ground. All ye lands. At least the people. One, two, three. That feels good, right? But that wasn't good enough. All right, now listen. Have faith in your shout. Believe that when... Really, I'm serious. I'm serious. Have faith that when you shout, it releases something in your life God wants you to have. That's a great concept. You ready? One, two, three. That's good. My philosophy in the past has been until you have popped a blood vessel in your eye, you have not praised God at the highest level. Okay, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. Stop right there. That's ugly, but it's all right. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. James Taylor, here's who we're thanking, sir. It is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Okay, here we go. Listen to this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. And bless his name, for the Lord is good. Oh, halabanja. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Oh, let's shout again. Oh, Jesus. Woo. Awesome. How many of you have never shouted in church before? Let me see your hands. Come on. Don't be shy. Uh, <laughs> pretty awesome. You're welcome. I'm glad I could help you enter into that. Okay, yeah, grab a seat. Now, accessing the presence of God may be one of the single most important things you can ever do to live a victorious life. 
Who was that? I like that. Oh, gosh, there's old uh, Hurchin's brother, Stephen, Peter, Simon. Which, which one of the apostles? I can't remember. They name them all after Jesus' friends, so he's a pretty interesting character. <laughs> we, were, we were tearing up a building downtown to make way for a new room, and um, <laughs> I assigned him the task of tearing up part of the room. And when I got back, he had torn up the whole room. It's pretty cool. I like that. Accessing his presence is so important. How do you do it? How do you get into his gates? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How do you stand in his courts with praise? So entering is through thanksgiving. Abiding in that place... It's through appreciation, verbal appreciation, conscious appreciation, praise. Psalm 1611, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is, who can quote the rest of that? Fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What amazing scripture. That's what it is to be. They're, they're like levels of the presence of the Lord. Andy was singing in the song um, this morning, mentioned the fact that, um, what, are we, bottom, bottomless ocean, endless sea? There's no end to the goodness of God. How, did I mess that up? I don't care. Yeah, but, but so there's, there are levels of encounter. There are levels of accessing the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, Christians should be people who are so connected to the, to the manifest experiential presence of God that they have joy when other people don't. It's part of our inheritance. It's part of our inheritance that we could be in the presence of the Lord and have a fullness of joy to know that at the right hand of God, what, what is at the right hand of God? At that place of being in his presence, there are pleasures forevermore. I, I get so aggravated with sort of hardline Christians who actually have said things like, God's not interested in whether you're happy or not. And I'm thinking, that's ridiculous. Well, well, I mean, whoever whoever wanted to be friends with a bunch of unhappy, mean people? That's crazy. That's crazy. The Bible really proves out Jesus had an anointing of joy above his brethren. He was the happiest guy on the planet. And the amazing thing was he was the happiest guy on the planet. No, he was going to suffer the most of anyone who ever lived. Because he dwelt in the presence of God. He dwelt in, they called him a drunkard. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him a glutton. He was a party man. He loved to have a good time. He was. He loved to have a good time. They accused him of being a drunkard because they thought he was drunk. Why would they think he was drunk? There are aspects of joy that really do resemble drunkenness. Come on. Come on. Alcoholism and that kind of drunkenness is a substitute for being filled with the Holy Ghost. People take drugs because they don't take God in a way they can have him. I mean, people have these deep needs. They really do have them. They really are there. 
And they're going to find some way to try to fill that place up. Well, the best way to fill them up is not with drugs or alcohol or, or lifestyles that are damaging, although pleasurable for a season, but it's with the presence of God. We, we haven't highly regarded the presence of God like we should have. It's the secret to a life of power. Here's what the secret of life of power is. God. Come on. How do you access him? One of the very clear ways is through being grateful, being thankful. Advanced thanksgiving. That's thanking God in advance. How many of you would like to graduate from 101 and 201 levels of thanksgiving into the advanced levels? Oh, here's the advanced level of thanksgiving. Thank him in advance. It is good. I have an ally on the front row who's told me what I'm saying. It is so good. It's life-changing. Developing a lifestyle of appreciation, a lifestyle where you appreciate God and you appreciate cr even crummy people, e even people that just aggravate you. There's a way to just love them, enjoy them when you're full of the presence of God. God will put you with miserable people to help you develop your capacity to have joy in that circumstance. Don't listen. I teach go for your dream. I teach whatever makes you happy is what you're supposed to do. I spent 25 years in a job I hated. Why? I had a family. I had to raise a family. The Lord didn't let me in ministry yet. This isn't the job I hated, by the way. <laughs> and don't make it that way out there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let the record show. But I worked at a job I hated until I became thankful for it. I complained. Oh, son, I complained. I made my wife miserable complaining about my job. What I didn't like about it. I could identify every single aspect of what was wrong with it. Meanwhile, God was trying to identify every single aspect of what was wrong with me by putting me in that job. Man, that's preaching right there. I mean, that's really, really top, that's top drawer right there. Then a friend of mine, Rick Joyner, wrote this book, and in the book he said, until you learn how to be thankful in the wilderness, you don't get out. And, and, and if you really believed that, I told my wife the day I read that, I said, come here, baby, look what, look what Rick said right there. Look what he said. I said, here's what you will never hear me say. You will never hear me complain about my job again. You'll never hear me say, I won't complain one more time. Isn't that true, Donna? Nod your head positively. It's mostly true. I was out of that job and in the calling I had to ministry within about eight months after I made that determination. You waiting on God, he may be waiting on you. You blaming God, he may... Oh, no, no. It, it, come on, listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Ephesians 5.20 says, giving thanks... Maybe I have that up here. 
Oh, there's one I didn't think I put. I am so disorganized. You should go to a different church, probably. <laughs> Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a truth. Even when terrible things are going on, if you'll be thankful in those terrible things, it has the power to transform both you and the things. You don't, you don't thank the devil for beating you up. No, I'm, come on, that's ridiculous. But even in the midst of terrible things, if you develop this thanksgiving process, it has the capacity of changing you and changing your circumstance. Now, Jesus thanked God in advance. Jesus would thank God for the little, little stuff. I had a friend, he was an evangelist from a Lebanese evangelist, born in Jerusalem. He was Armenian. He, he was like an international individual when it came right down to it. But he would, he would tell us over the years, he would say, I... Any little tiny thing God does for me, I try to embarrass him by being so thankful for it. He tries to embarrass the Lord and annoy the Lord with his appreciation. Because when you're thankful for the little things, they increase. If you complain about the little things, they get littler. John 6, I won't read all this, but John 6 it was one of the times Jesus fed the multitude, and it's when he took um, the little boy's bread and fish. It was like just next to nothing. Jesus thanked God in advance for what he was going to do with that small amount, and his advanced thanksgiving released the miraculous provision of God and he fed over 5,000 people. And then they had enough left over to feed all 12 apostles. They got to eat later. That's advanced Thanksgiving. And one of the, um, one of the truths that really struck me, this, this made a huge impact on the apostles. Because in the, in later in that same chapter, the apostles... The apostles would describe the geographical location of that miracle as the place where the Lord gave thanks. Oh man, did you hear about the big miracle? No, no, what happened? God, this, we had all these people, 5,000 people, what, 1,000 people. And Jesus said, we're going to feed them. And we said, we don't have any food. And he says, well, go get me what you got. And we gave him his food. And he, God, he kicked into like this Thanksgiving thing like you couldn't believe. And I'm going, how stupid is that, Jesus? That's just nothing. But he was going to town. You could not imagine how happy he was over that next to nothing. And next thing you knew, he gave what was there to me and Peter and James and John. And, and, and I don't know how. We kept feeding people when it was over. Everybody ate everything they wanted. And then we had all this food left over. Where did that happen? Well, you know, it happened down there like a, a, a six furlongs from Peter's house, you, you know, up on that, you know, you know where the, the, the hill starts going up right there, um, where the creek, it was right down there. But no, no, no. They said, where did that, where, where was that? And he says, oh, that was at the place 
where the Lord gave thanks. They, they actually didn't call it a geographical location anymore. They described it as the place where the Lord had given thanks. You see, we have not even scratched the surface on what happens when we appreciate God and what he's given us. That's advanced thanksgiving. The miracle was later described as the one that happened after the Lord had given thanks. John six twenty three. That's so wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, just baptize us in gratefulness. Thanksgiving releases us from depression. Isaiah 61, verse 3. Read this with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do what? Console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. That they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. That he may be glorified. That's so powerful. I'm going to buzz right through these, but there in verse 5, actually the gospel can be understood as a divine exchange. We're sinful people. That's the way we, you know, theologians argue this. It's either the way we came or what we've all become because of what happened in the garden. The theologians can argue about that. It doesn't matter to me. Bottom line is, everybody sins. But the gospel is a divine exchange. He became sin for us. You know, you know why Jesus needs us? This is going to make somebody really have to think hard. Do you know why Jesus now needs us? Because we're his only righteousness. We're Jesus' righteousness. What? He became sin for us that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. You see, there was this, and I don't understand how this works. I don't understand anything about it other than I know this. He's willing to trade. That's what it is to come to Jesus. That's what it is to have faith in Jesus. To have faith in Jesus is to believe he took your sin on the cross. And when he did that, in the they call it the economy of God, when you put faith in that, you enter into, whether you know it or not, feel it or not, think it or not, you enter into a state where you have become the righteousness of God. And then we need to grow up into that reality and realize who we are in Christ. But it's an exchange. He gave us beauty for what? Ashes. Anybody got any ashes, you can trade them in. You can trade your ashes. You know what ashes are. Ashes are something that won't burn anymore. Ashes means the fire's over. That's good news. The bad news is the fire. The good news is it's over. (laughs) And now that you're left with next to nothing, you can trade your ashes for the beauty of God. And if you really understand this, it will change your countenance. You will become beautiful. You're radiant. You'll become a radiant person. See, there, there, 
There is a place in God of bodily, personal transformation that's visible. You become a new creature. We'll go from there. But Thanksgiving releases us from depression. Number six, it has the power to transform us through remembrance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this one story, and then we're going to take off because I've gone, I've gone long here, but, uh, and I didn't get through all of it. I'll finish it at, at a later date. You'll just have to keep coming back. Um, Psalm 103 Let's read this together. This is such tremendous scripture, and all those verses are referenced on that sheet. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Okay, that needs to tell you one thing. There was a time in the psalmist's life when he had to tell his own soul to get busy praising God. That, that ought to open up your concept, right? Bless the Lord, who? Me, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. Say that again. Forget not. Forget not. To forget not is to remember. You have a power called the power of remembrance that can transform your soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from destruction, crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, let me leave you with this story and then Eric can come close the meeting. I had a close friend over 25 years ago when I was pastoring and on the staff at Morningstar. His name was Dennis Rippey and he got cancer. And we battled for his life, and he really defeated cancer at three critical junctures, I think, and then finally he passed away. But he was in, um, he was in the hospital, and a group of 30 of us were there all night praying for him because it was a very, very critical time, and he was having an emergency operation. And while we were there, I noticed... Um, an ashen-looking, frail man. And I, I just was drawn to him. I felt bad for him because he looked so troubled. And we were, we were in the waiting room at, what is that, ICU? Is that the right term for that? I'm thinking internal affairs. I know that's not. In, intensive care. Too much TV. Intensive care unit. His wife was there and Dennis was there. We were 30 of us were there praying in that room all night. And he was sitting there and I, my, my heart just went out to him, and I asked ask him, ask him um, what he was doing and who he was there for. And he said he'd been there for seven weeks for his wife. And he and his wife had been married, I think, over 40 years. And she had broken her hip, and she had a viral infection. And so he was there just for his wife. And I can remember these dark, dark circles under his eyes, and you could see the pain um, really etched into the lines of, lines of his face. And he had a very dark countenance. I felt so bad for him. And uh, so I thought, what can I do to help this guy? And it turned out he had a very thick Italian accent. He was um, 
he was Italian. He was from Italy. And I said, uh, hey, tell me, what was it like when you were growing up in Italy? And he began to tell me about um, just his life, and, and, and he began, I mean, his countenance began to change. And I said, tell me about when you met your wife. And he started, he remembered, um, I, it seemed like if I could remember this, see, they got married and they, uh, they honeymooned in Rome. And he was telling me how beautiful Rome was and how beautiful his wife was. And he was telling me about the food they had. And um, he actually said, he talked about, I've got it written down here, the afternoons he and his bride spent walking the avenues enjoying one another. Then he started remembering Venice. So he, he, he just kept remembering and as he was remembering these things, his entire countenance began to change. It's like he changed into his face began to light. He looked younger. And see, that, that is really what the Lord is saying here. If we will bless the Lord, our souls will change. All that is within me, the psalmist says, bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits. You see, the enemy wants you to remember your heartaches. He wants you to remember your sorrows. He, 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 it, you know, he wants you to continue to rehearse your issues and your problems. And what that's like is slamming your thumb in the door of the car and every time you rehearse it, you pull out a hammer and you hit your thumb again. That's what it is when you amplify and magnify the negative things in life. They grow. Man, it's like eating liver, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Donna fixed liver one time. It got bigger in my mouth. I spit that stuff out. I said, baby, we're, we've never, now chicken liver is different, but I said, we no, that's it for liver, baby. Let's go get a hamburger, and off we went. And, uh, but that's what happens when you complain. You're, you, mag you know, the, the, the psalmist says, magnify the Lord with me. We will exalt the Lord together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Many of us don't know how to seek God. Here's how to seek God. You identify his attributes, and you tell God what his attributes are until God begins to agree with you and manifest those very attributes. That's what it is to seek the Lord. Or you can complain, and you can do all those things common, normal things. But we have got to break out of that and see God for who he is so he can be who he is in our lives. That's what it is to be thankful. Um, I just, I felt the Lord speaking to me 
um, just while Robin was preaching. And Robin said that the Lord wants you happy. And that's really true. And my testimony is that in my, in my life, I've been walking with the Lord since I was a little boy. And in my life, I've experienced what I would describe as a, a severe or extreme satisfaction running the length of my entire life. And, um, and I say that in context that Amy and I have, um, we have suffered our share of heartbreak and, and, and heartache in our life. And, and yet that, that, that vein of satisfaction that runs through our bones has been running the entire length, the entire time of our life. And Amy, Amy lost, our family lost a daddy. Amy lost her daddy a month ago. And I, I shared some of the story with, last week, but I got the news when I was driving to Nashville to lead worship at a conference. And, and the, the decision that was before me was, do you get on a plane and fly to California right now? Or do you lead worship for this conference? And and I've been in this place before, and I, and I figured out this thing in that when I was in the place where I felt the least able to bless God, it's the most profound time to know Jesus in that place. And, um, and just learning how to bless God and to magnify his name in the places of greatest challenge is I think it's the thing that really causes us to feel that extreme satisfaction through the course of our entire life. And um, the first couple of weeks um, we were kind of going through this morning. I would, I would walk into a bedroom and Amy would be laying on the bed and she would just be weeping and she would be listening to Anthony Skinner's song. He's got the song called I Will Be All Right. And she would just be soaking in his presence, you know, and I could just feel the presence of the Lord in the room. And she was just offering thankfulness to the Lord for her dad's life. And so I just, as a prophetic declaration this season of, of Thanksgiving, if we could just all stand together, we just want to, as a, as a couple together, we just want to offer in this, this challenging season of our own life, we just want to offer a, a, a prayer of thanksgiving over, over our lives, but over your lives, all of our lives together as a community. So would you do that with us? So <clears throat> yeah, maybe grab somebody's hand or maybe just I, whatever you want to do. You can lift your hands. You can just some posture of faith at this point. Oh, Lord, you, you are the Lord of our lives. That's our confession today. You are the Lord of our lives, and we want to say thank you for this severe and extreme satisfaction that's running through the course of our lives. And even in the places where we feel absolutely weak, when we, when we encounter a season of heartbreak, Lord, we just want to rise up and bless your name. We say, we bless your name, O God. We magnify your name in this place. 
from our lives in whatever season we find ourselves in, Father. We thank you for our families, for our fathers, for our mothers, for our children, for our spouses, Lord, for our friends who have walked distances with us. Lord, for all of the people in our lives, the ones that we enjoy and the ones that we're learning to enjoy, we thank you for them all, Lord Jesus. And we pray that as we go from this house, that you would open our eyes to see the image of God in every person, Lord, and that we would learn to love and cherish each individual that we come in contact with, Lord. And we ask the Spirit of Christ to go with us in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. If I could have the ministry team people uh, folks come up and get ready to... Uh